1: No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today, I'm in here with a legend in his own right. T-Money is in the building. How you doing?
0: I'm all right. What's up, man?
1: Great to have you here, man.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, you came uh, highly recommended. Big U told me that you had an incredible story and that uh, it deserved to be heard.
0: I think it does.
1: Yeah? Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's start from the beginning. You're from uh, what area? L.A.? West L.A.? Yeah, I'm from West L.A. Okay. Tell us a little bit about uh, your upbringing.
0: Um... From West L.A. You know, I grew up with the, you know, there's nothing but Crips around there. Right. It's like the Mansfields, the Marvins, the Schoolyards, the Playboys, the Gear Gangs. I'm from Mansfield. Right. But that whole area is surrounded by Crips. Like, um, the only Bloods over there are like the Blackstones, the Black Peace Stones, the 21st Streets. And they're like, maybe like a mile east. Right. They're, they're pretty close too though. So those are the only Bloods over there. Did the, the jungles.
1: Cr- did the Crips get along for the most part? No. No. No, not at all.
0: No, most. I mean, it's more Crip on Crip beef than anything.
1: Right. Yeah. Even back then.
0: Even back then. The yeah. Because p- so the that- Crips outnumbers the Bloods by so so much. Right. Like it's that. It's always been like that. The Crips have always outnumbered the Bloods.
1: Right. Yeah. Makes sense. So what was it like uh growing up in that environment? Like, and, and what year are we talking? The, the year.
0: Well, I was born in '77. Okay. So you know, I pretty much grew up in the '80s. You know. So I mean, you know, that's when. Gang bang was at its highest
1: right you know? compared to today
0: Today it was
1: insane in comparison to what shit is like now because like even even like the worst neighborhoods or whatever you go to these days, you're not really going to see like ten dudes with bandanas standing on the corner too often.
0: No, the dress codes has changed, the people have changed. you know the players didn't change. It's, it's different. It's not the same no more. It's, it's a little bit' it's, it's kind of watered down.
1: right. I mean, everybody can be in the house on the computer or on their phone.
0: Yeah, you can gangbang online.
1: Right. There's <laughs> definitely more, if you think about it, there's definitely way more gangbanging online than definitely in real life. Definitely online. Like, not even close.
0: <laughs> and when they get on the streets and see each other, they're like, hey, man, it was just internet.
1: Yeah. Well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most of the time. You think most?
0: Most of the time.
1: Hmm, okay. Time. Definitely. Um, okay, so, but from your perspective, like, what did you just know that you wanted to be? from there, from a very young age, or are you attracted to this lifestyle?
0: Um, I mean, well, you know, L.A. is separated by gangs, so you, even if you're not gang-banging, you're affiliated and you're from somewhere, you right. know? Um, a lot of us, which a lot of people won't admit, a lot of us were from different gangs um, before we were from our original gang. It was like little Crews and stuff like that. Like, they had a crew like called uh, uh, Nothing But Trouble, then you had EWF, and you had Homeboys, and you had MVP. You had a different, a lot of different gangs to where, because you know, in, in certain eras, you know, you have people that grow up with each other. So it's like my era, we had our crew of friends, and we like, yo, we don't want to do what they're doing. We want to do our own thing. But eventually, you know, because you're sharing the same area with these people, you end up either being from there, or because those, the little crews, what, you know, of course, didn't last that long. Right. After a minute, you know what I'm saying. But at that time. We were doing what we were doing because we were; those were our peers.
1: Do you feel like these days it feels like the possibility of of dudes creating their own crew seems like a lot less likely? Like now, everybody kind of just figured, they know they're gonna have to identify with somewhere at some point. So, like the the new crew thing is less popular. Or? Um, yeah, I
0: mean, we figured that out a long time ago because the older dudes, it's like either y'all turn or we beating y'all ass. Right. You know. Some, some stood and some, you know.
1: Because I was interviewing some Chicago rappers the other day, and they were just straight up like, yeah, we started our own gang. And I'm like, man, yeah. <laughs> LA is a little different than that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah nah, that, that, it's not going to last that long.
1: Mm, interesting. So, uh, yeah, are you just like, what are your teenage years like for the most part?
0: Um, so a lot of my teenage years, I was in jail. I was in YA.
1: You starting to get caught up early on?
0: Yeah, I got, um, um, I got tried as adult at 16 um end up going I got tried as adult and ended up going to jail from pretty much from like ninety three to two thousand.
1: Wow. And what was that for?
0: For attempted at murder robbery.
1: Okay. How'd that go down?
0: Um, just in survival mode. No parents, you know. I had one parent present, but she wasn't there mentally. Dad pretty much never was there, you know? Really? I knew who he was, but he was, you know, I didn't I didn't have a relationship with him.
1: You and know? your mom was checked out at this point? Um,
0: just Drug habit, you know, mm. got, I guess, bad worse than what she intended it to get. You know, sometimes you have a, what you call it like functional drug addicts. Right. So at one point in time, she was a functional drug addict and just got worse and started getting better.
1: And, and during that time period, was this the same story of like a huge percentage of people that you knew because crack was so new?
0: Um, yeah. I mean, most of the most of our peers were kind of going through the same thing. Some had one parent that was doing cool, Some didn't have any parents and, you know, we were all going through the same thing in in one way or
1: another. Right. Do you feel like you uh, went into the streets more because you felt kind of adrift and like lost without necessarily having those strong parental figures?
0: Um, I think, yeah, you know, that was part of it. Um, And then, you know, when you have, you know, when you have people that you're hanging out with every day, like your peers or you know, you only have these people to look up to, the older guys, to look up to, you know, you tend to be around them a lot, and it's kind of like, shit, that's what either I have to do or what I'm going to end up doing for me. I think it was more of a survival thing. It was more of like, I got to survive, so I got to do what I got to do.
1: That's how it felt at that time. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Did you finish high school?
0: Nah. No. No, i never seen a high school classroom a day in my
1: life. Really? You dropped out in what, ninth grade? Uh, eighth. Okay. Eighth. And just started being outside all the time?
0: I jumped off the porch early, man.
1: Right. What kind of shit were you getting into in that period of your life?
0: All kind of shit. Shit. I mean, you know, like I said, I was in survival mode, so it was more of trying to get some money, mm-hmm. gang banging at the same time because you, you know, when you in that era, it was like, especially where I'm from, like my my particular hood, um, we wasn't that big. Mm. And you know, shit. Everybody who knows my hood, they know we wasn't that big. That so. whole
1: area is a bunch of smaller hoods for the most part, right?
0: Um, yeah. No, I mean the schoolyards. Well, yeah. As far, yeah. When you're when you're comparing it to like, right. Like the '60s or the Harlem '30s or the East Coast Crips, like in that area, our gangs wasn't as big as their gangs was at all. Yeah, nah.
1: So. Th- how did that impact you did that make you feel like you had to go harder to protect your shit? Or? No, we
0: definitely had to go harder. We definitely had to go harder because we were in West LA and a lot of the gangs that were like deeper um, LA like South Central and stuff like that. They always looked at us like y'all y'all rich over there like we wasn't right. but You know what I'm saying? It wasn't I guess as bad as their area so they always looked at us like, oh, y'all rich crips. Like, y'all shouldn't even be gangbanging. Y'all shouldn't be mm. doing this. But, I mean, the struggle was the same. Right. <laughs> the crack era was there. Motherfuckers didn't have no parents. So the struggle was the same. The area just looked different.
1: Yeah. I mean, that is a weird part about L.A., right? Yeah. There's, like, a lot of really, really bad areas that look pretty nice if you yeah. were to just cruise yeah. down the street.
0: Yeah, especially, I have friends out of town, like, from Chicago and from St. Louis and they always say like, dog, this doesn't look like the hood," and I'm like, "Nigga, this is the hood. Like, yeah. shit happens over here." It's know? not
1: California's fault that it's sunny like 11 and a half months out of the year, and that yeah. people have nice lawns and shit. I guess <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. All right. So wait, you got caught up in that situation at 16, and how many years, or how how the the trial go, or how many years? Well, did I, you I
0: fought t- the case for two and a half years. Okay. Like for two years and like. Maybe like two years and four months. I fought the case before I even got my time.
1: And uh, so then how much time did you end up taking?
0: I ended up taking a five-year deal.
1: Okay. And you ended up serving five years? Um,
0: No, because in Y.A. you catch a lot of time from fighting and stuff like that. They can keep you till you're 25. So if you go when you're 14 or 15 or you go when you're 13 or whatever the case may be, it's not like. Okay, so like the penitentiary, you have a date. Mm. Like, so if I go today, they'll tell me, "Hey, you get out uh, twenty twenty four February the 19th, So unless you catch another case or something like that, that's my release date. Which has
1: got to be nice because at least you have something to look forward you look to. Forward to. It's locked in place. Y yeah.
0: uh-huh. a, there's no release date. Like, but they can keep you. They can keep you till you're twenty five, and if you tried as an adult and you got a, um, they had Y a numbers and M numbers. If you had an M number, once you turn eighteen they can send you to the pen or once you turn 25 they can send you to the pen but you can also go to YA at 18 and you can also go to the pen at 18 mm. you know what I'm saying why is a little bit more unstructured it's like letting a bunch of pit bulls go and like hey really? they're young kids you know what I'm saying so it's not like in the pen you're up under a gun and YA you're not
1: under a gun like like
0: the towers and stuff like that. so you know, It like,
1: always feels that way? Like they could just shoot you if you yeah, act so, up?
0: Yeah, so it's more
1: structured. Just a little bit more structured. When you have all these old dudes who've been there for years and yeah. years and they want things to be orderly, right?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So how, how did you change as a person through spending those years locked up?
0: Um, what changed my thought process was me going to jail and having to be in, like, especially, like, with um, Juvenile Hall. Like, you st- once you get to Juvenile Hall— that's when you're, you start politic. and It's not the politics that you, that's in YA and in the pen, but, you know, there's different levels to it. You know? So there's politics in everything that we do. So what changed my thought process is it became a race thing once I got to jail. Mm. So it was, you know, the Mexicans, the blacks, and the whites, right? So, yeah, you have your individual, where you have your individual problems with your own race, and it's, it's handled amongst the race. However if something goes down there's no one on one fights with a mexican there's no one on one fights with a with a uh, with it was a always a race it was, war it was always a race war so i felt like you know growing up so growing up is like you know we we gro- we grow into um like wars and beef like so if we're like if i at the age of my older homies was like whatever they beef was with whoever it was i probably wasn't even born at that time or i was young and wasn't involved but i know growing up in that area Learn, oh, we don't get along with these people. So I just jump into that beef. You know what I'm saying? Right. So in jail, it was like the per- the people that we were beefing with on the streets were like our best friends. Like, you know, you click with a motherfucker that you didn't get along with on the street, you like, damn, like, that's my dog. And, you know, he's back to back helping you fight. So my thought process was like, yo, why would I get back out and be like, oh, I don't like this person? You know what I'm saying? So at that point, I became a person of like, as long as you don't disrespect me. I'm cool. I don't give a fuck where you from.
1: You were tripping before that? I was tripping. <laughs> like anybody you met was like an enemy if they man, weren't I from I was tripping. Really?
0: I was tripping. I was young, man. And you know, I was I was I was young.
1: I feel like a level of tripping in that regard was kinda like common in the eighties that doesn't really <laughs> exist that often right now where like people just aren't that like, like, you know, like, there isn't that, like, internal, like, hatred for everybody in that many people in L.A. Because music it, because, changed that. Because with the internet, yeah, like, you're, you're more connected to people yeah. and you see how they live and shit. It's yeah. harder to just, like, blindly despise the other people, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Music changed that. A lot of, you know, people wanted to be a part of certain things, uh, like sports and, you know, our peers, you know, um, doing sports and doing music, it kind of brought people together. Back then, like... In my era, I wasn't involved in no music when I was on the streets gangbanging. I didn't learn how to write music until I got to jail, and that's having idle time and being in a cell and reading and certain stuff and being around people that did rap or whatever, but was still gangbanging. So, um, like, back then, it w- we were gangbanging. Like, it wasn't like like we were gangbanging back then. It's totally different now. It was It You know, the dress code was different. Everything was different, you know? So... Even, and I don't admit, like, even being a blood back then, it was hard being a blood back then. Like, because, like, like I said, the Crips outnumbered the blood by so many. So, anytime we go somewhere or whatever the case may be, even if we didn't get along with other Crips, if it was bloods there, it was like, we Crips, they bloods. Mm. So, let's put our shit to the side. And you know what I'm saying? So, it, it was just different. The gangbang was different.
1: Yeah, it was just way more aggressive in general. Way
0: more aggressive. Way more aggressive. Mm. Like, you had to be grown. Like, because older niggas was killing kids. like, And when I mean by kids, I mean, like, not like babies. It was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you had random shit, accidental. Uh, I don't think nobody went out just to kill kids. But when I mean by kids, at 13 and 12-year-olds, those are kids. Like, I was a kid. But I'm out on the block with niggas that's 20-something years old, 18, 19, out of school, and you got other niggas coming through that's grown. And you think they're going to be like, oh, he's 12? Now I got a rag in my pocket. I got khakis on, and I got a pistol on my hip. That's crazy. We were like, so you had to be grown if you was gang banging back then,
1: right? No, yeah. it always blows my mind how early kids get into it in L.A. Yeah, Still, nah. even to this day.
0: Yeah. So you grow up fast, man. And you you grow up fast and you learn fast, like you know.
1: For sure. But so fast. so the the prison experience didn't sour you on gangbanging in general. It just made you kind of. Grow up a little bit in terms of how you it viewed changed, it. It
0: changed my life. Right. It changed my thought process. It might do something for somebody else, but it actually, I think, it saved my life.
1: Right. So what happens when you get out?
0: Um, I start out. I, like I said, I learned how to write in jail, and I have a homeboy. Well, see, my area, like, so I have my homeboys are, like, they're a little bit different from a lot of other different hoods. Like they were they were involved in music before I went to jail. I just wasn't. Involved in it because I was too busy banging. so a lot of my older homies like my homeboy Dougie D And my homeboy D-Mac my homeboy k Dog, they were all involved with music. They were actually um, Like my homeboy D-Mac and Dougie were real good friends with Puff So they was doing a lot of stuff with him So like a lot of people before I even went to jail maybe it was like 13 14 my homeboy Dougie was doing music He uh, was doing a lot of writing. He actually had a deal. I believe it was over at Mercury I think that was the same uh, label that Brian McKnight was on um, he was like really supposed to be like the Will Smith of that era like he was doing that type of music He had that type of look um, He was actually uh, date, He was actually dating Jada Pinkett at one time. So yeah. like I used to go to his house they used to have parties, and a lot of people Keep used to be there. Keep your mouth shut about my fucking wife.
1: <laughs> Can't you just picture Will Smith over there screaming?
0: Hey, I only said that because there ain't nobody here to slap me. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, sorry, sorry. Nah. Very immature. What were you saying? <laughs>
0: nah, so you know, so when I used to go to that house, they used to have a lot of celebrities there. Like, so I was seeing it. I just wasn't involved in
1: it. Hmm. So you start realizing that you have. Opportunities and doors that could maybe open for you by getting more into the entertainment shit
0: Well, once I was in jail and I learned how to write music and my thought process changed Then I always knew I had an outlet once I got back I didn't know if it was gonna work or not But I felt like I always had an outlet with Mm. my homies being involved in music And them knowing the people that they they knew that I had been introduced before But like I said, I was more in gangbang mode than business or music until I got to jail, because I didn't learn how to write music until I was in jail.
1: And, and what was it like learning to write music in, in jail, given that you can't play a beat or whatever, right?
0: Well, I mean, you know, niggas is creative in yeah, jail. Yeah, you made you know, it happen? Hey? Yeah, so I had a Sally named Jackie Boy from Harlem 30 Crip. Okay. And um, he was, I guess, always rapping, and... Um, like, so we start, you know, he used to rap in the cell and be like, oh, we used to be freestyling and stuff. And I just took the shit serious, like started writing every day. He taught me how to structure the songs and stuff like that. So my whole time, we actually, in East Lake Juvenile Hall, I started writing church raps and performing in the chapel. Wow. God raps, you know? And um, from then on, my whole stay, it was just read, write, read, write, work out, read, write, 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 you know what I'm saying, like, so.
1: I and mean, when you think about like that, prison sounds like, you know, decent training for life, you know, like just having that regimen and taking your health serious and working hard and stuff like, I mean, at least from that, it sounds like it probably helped you get into like a better mind state of what you wanted to do with yourself.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's what I'm saying. Like, so when I got out and me not, me not being, you know, the the type of person where it was like, I I didn't really, I'm not going to say it's always going to be in your heart. Like I'm always going to be a gang member. You know what I'm saying? Am I going to be active all my life? No. I can be active. I can get active if I feel threatened. But like I said, my thought process changed so much. I was like, I do not want to be a part of that part where it's just like just because you're from somewhere else, I want to take something out on you. I want to be like, oh, yeah, I'm from here. Here, fuck you or whatever. That was out because I was like, if I ever go back to jail for whatever reason, the same person that i probably about to shoot at or then shot at, I got to go right in and be his friend.
1: Right. It just kind of like stood out to you. It was just too stupid to yeah, it didn't make sense. stand by.
0: Yeah, it didn't make sense
1: at all. Definitely. So, yeah. okay, you start working on music with those guys?
0: Well, yeah. Well, well, when I got out, um, I actually ended up going to Atlanta. Because mm. like, that's where the music had transferred to, pretty they much. They told
1: you that you that, that was kind of where the sound was coming?
0: That just was telling me that pretty much, uh, you want to out of trouble. This is where we at. This is what we're doing. You should go here and... That's where I started. And
1: you hadn't here. really traveled before this?
0: No, I had been. Well, my, my, my mom is originally from Houston. Okay. Well, I was born and raised here. I was born in Cedar sinai So, But my mom, so I used to go to Houston. I used to go to Texas like in the summertime. But other than that, I had never really traveled anywhere.
1: Right. So what was Atlanta like? That kind of changed your outlook on life?
0: Yeah. Um, it's great out there. Yeah, the bitches was naked in the strip club.
1: You went to Freaknik.
0: Um, uh, Freaknik was over by the time. They uh, was having another little stuff. But 112 was still there and stuff like that, but the Freaknik was done by the time that I came home or whatever. But uh, I had never seen nothing like it as far as the strip clubs, the women being naked and stuff like that. So it was,
1: And was it just a lot less war-torn than LA in general?
0: Um actually now like actually when I when I look at it, right, for me it was comfortable because it didn't pertain any gang banging. Right. It was just more, okay, this is Atlanta, these are the people. But actually, Atlanta is more dangerous than LA.
1: Really? Yeah. Just in general?
0: Yeah, because you don't know who's who. Here, we have politics to where you can get robbed mm. and say, oh, I got robbed on 39th and Arlington. And we like, okay, those are Harlem's. Let, let me make a call over there and see if they know anything about it. And Atlanta is a melting pot. It's just like everybody from everywhere. So when things happen, it's kind of hard to track down certain things. You got all the surrounding areas from Tennessee, Alabama. You know, people come from the country, come kill something, and go back to the woods. You know? Right.
1: Damn, that's interesting. That's like that's what you just said is kind of similar to when I was speaking to Wack recently about the the thing about him not wanting to sign a Mexican artist. And like what I got from that basically is that he he feels like the black gangs have a codes of conduct there's nobody who can come in and tell him what to do necessarily whereas in the Mexican shit it's like there are higher powers that could just come in and decide that they want to Um, be a part of any deal that you might have going on which I wouldn't have necessarily thought about but on a street level to him he's saying that makes him want to avoid those situations
0: well I mean yeah they're they're a little bit more structured than us as far as in the system Um, like you said but I was in the halls we was locked up together
1: right he and what? really yeah so it was like that's being, what we know each other. It was from, like being on kids. Clubhouse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hell, dog. Nah.
1: He got pissed at me because I said that. I'm like, I think you learned to be really good at this whole Clubhouse thing from hanging out in prison and all those years and just talking about fucking whatever. That really got you ready for sitting on Clubhouse talking about whatever.
0: Yeah, we've been knowing each other since we was kids, man.
1: Right, for sure. Um, okay, so Atlanta, you're out there. How's how's all that shit transpire?
0: Um shit uh just moving around and with the people i was with like again they were involved in music i ended up meeting this kid named lil zane right and um legend yeah he he he, at that time you know he was one of those people that we were looking at that was like he's gonna be huge right you know so they had to um he was signed to a company called worldwide this guy named kevin wells and um they had a joint venture with puff so i kind of was moving around with them and um Something happened with Lil Zane one time, and I kind of took care of it for him.
1: On a street level? On a street
0: level. And he they, didn't have
1: anybody looking out for him?
0: Um, I, I don't know, because I didn't know him before that. You know what I'm saying? I knew some people that was around him and all the people that have the relationships with, for, you know, whatever happened. I wasn't there when it happened. Right. But the end result was me looking out for him. So It's
1: been a long time. You can't tell us how you looked out for him? <laughs> he, got look, <laughs> he
0: got looked out for. It. Right,
1: but what, there's a lot of levels of looking out.
0: <laughs> the people that did something to him wasn't satisfied with their outcome.
1: Okay, you know, for sure.
0: Yeah. So um, when he was doing Doctor Doolittle too.
1: But this didn't feel like anything new to you. Having to take care of that issue, it was it was regular shit, or was it above not, it and was, beyond? It
0: was not. It was it was different because it didn't have anything with it didn't have anything to do with gang mm-hmm. It was more of politics shit.
1: That was your first time being the the fucking enforcer yeah. role.
0: Yeah, that was my first time of being involved with something like that. You so. felt like you were in
1: a mafia movie or something? <laughs> Hell nah. <laughs> That's cool Hell though, nah. man. I I'd like to be that guy. Huh? I would like to be that guy. Uh, if shit didn't work out from here on in, maybe I could be the. No, nah, probably not.
0: You could be that guy. You have the um.
1: You have the mean You That's have the start. means to be that guy. <laughs> nah. I'm going to find another guy to do that. Um, but, okay, so then after that situation, are you, like, fully tied in on his deal or whatever? No, I
0: wasn't tied in on his deal. What happened was um, he was he had to come to L.A., and I think he was doing Dr. Doolittle, too. Okay. So he was telling me, because this situation happened in Atlanta. Right. So when um, Dr. Doolittle, when he was doing Dr. Doolittle, of course, you know, me coming back home, he's like, "Yo, I'm going to be in L.A., like, trying to fuck with you, like, you know, so... When I got back to LA, I pretty much was tied in with him every day. And so I was moving around with him. So him going to the studio and working on his album, doing the thing, I was being introduced to all of these people, mm. like all of these artists. Like that's the first pla- that's the first person I met Tank to, the singer Tank. Oh wow. Yeah, he's a solid dude. And um, that's how I met him. So Zane was the one taking me to different meetings and different places. And Akon's brother Boo so happened to be zane's um best friend, they were best friends in high school together, okay, so that's how I met Boo.
1: interesting and so were were you working more on the music side of things, or were you the guy who was making sure that he didn't get robbed while he was in l a
0: well Cause that was, is a yeah, thing I was the person making sure nothing happened to him like of course, I was trying to get in position, but i wasn't I actually wasn't using that to get in position, like I actually liked the kid, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying he was actually cool I just i guess I was you know, not knowing, like, just playing my position. Like, you know, when you, you get around certain people, it's like you start playing a position whether you want to or not. It's like this is what I'm here for or I'm not going to overstep my boundaries. Like, you know, so with me, me being with him and him taking me around and me meeting these people, I wasn't going to go, like, behind his back or, you know, that's just street code anyway. You don't go behind somebody's back and try to, do something anyway so i guess it just end up being like that with me playing that role or playing that position mm. and then with certain people knowing me it's kind of like okay he's he's with t money
1: but was it like that back in the day then too where it's like always been like people preying on it's out-of-town like, artists it was worse holly listen man hollywood is It's soft right now.
0: (laughs) Back then, you couldn't just be in Hollywood. People were getting killed in Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, now, you know, you got people just robbing and stuff like that, but it was always like that. It was worse back then. Yeah. Like, it wasn't easy to be in Hollywood.
1: Right. People think that's like the safe part of LA. Yeah, nah, it's not. All these people in the hoods are stupid. They know about (laughs) Hollywood.
0: It's not not the same place. It's
1: just different now because, like, you see a fucking watch shop get robbed, and then there's a viral video. It's on TMZ. It's on every fucking Instagram page, and everybody's looking at it. You got to imagine that shit would happen back in the day. You got the owner traumatized. He's all fucked up. He loses all his product, but then who the fuck is gonna find out about it? Maybe it's a little article in the newspaper. I mean, that's not going to, not everybody's going to see that, you know?
0: I think what it is now is that um, they've normalized masks. Mm. So it's like because of COVID, you know, when you see somebody walking up with a mask, it's normal. Yeah. Back then, you see somebody walking up with a mask, it's like either pull your gun out, get the fuck out the way, or prepare for whatever's going to happen. Now, it's like when you're walking in, they're telling you, you have to have a mask on in here. So now instead of just this, it's like, well, I'm going to just put the whole thing in and, Fucking cameras, and you can't see anything. And for
1: for most of my life, there's been rules at like malls and public areas that you're not allowed to wear a mask in general, even like a fucking Halloween mask or whatever, because they don't want you to be able to steal shit and then you know or do whatever, terrorize people and not and get away with it. Then all of a sudden, it's like no, you have to wear a mask. And now, if you're a criminal and you want to get away with it, I mean, you might stand out a little bit because you have a mask on, but you're not gonna stand out that much. And I mean, it's normal. Yeah, it's normal now. I That's remember, why this is happening. I remember when COVID first hit and I was just going out to grab the Postmates and there's just four people walking towards me and they all got masks on and I'm just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then I just realized it's like a family. <laughs> They're just like not concerned at all. And I'm like, oh, fuck. All right. Yeah. COVID. Um, okay. So how that situation transpired from there? Where? with the uh, Zane you're like working doing all these meetings with him and everything. Oh yeah, I was
0: like going to his meetings and um,
1: And you're starting to realize like I could work in the music business, like I could be a bigger role in all this.
0: Um well I, I mean I was you know, I was trying to I was trying to rap at the time.
1: Right. Oh, so this was already You know what, what I'm saying? is okay. I was
0: trying to be a rapper at the time. I'm fresh out of jail pretty much, you know what I'm saying? Um he's taking me, I'm meeting all these people and um I just start Sometimes when he would record, i start putting my input in with him. Like, yo, you should say it this way, you should do this, like, you know what I'm saying? And then it became a thing to where, like, I just started help writing, and it wasn't like a thing where I was helping writing and was saying, hey, um, I need this publishing, or I need this, because at that time, I really didn't even know anything about that. I was just happy to be able to put my input in and help, and, you know, when I heard it, I'm like, yo, in my head, I'm like, yo, I helped do this shit, you know what I'm saying? I said, I I, I did that. So it wasn't even about the money. It wasn't about anything like that. It was about more of me getting myself in position and just being involved.
1: Right. And then uh, explain who Boo was to the people out there if they don't know.
0: Well, Boo is Akon's brother who actually um, did a lot in the business at this point. You know what I'm saying? Um, But that's who, that was his best friend. And um, so that's how I met Akon. I met Akon through through Boo and Zayn because Zayn, when he would go to Atlanta, the studio that he was working at was where Akon was working at. Akon was signed to this guy named Divine Stevens. Okay. Um, who actually had a deal before, I believe. I don't know his whole story. I know him well, but I just don't know his whole backstory or whatever. But that's where Akon was working out. He had another brother named Mozart that was doing beats or whatever the case may be. So um, that's how I actually met Dollar, too. I met them all pretty much. In the same room
1: right and explain dollar for people because he's a big part of your story
0: yeah um dolly had a big real big song with t uh, t-pain called who the fuck is that he was in a group with um, called the rascals with his brother saz and scrap and um
1: and that was an Atlanta group
0: that was an Atlanta group right. uh, which we all started together uh, me boo Akon Akon was doing production for him him and his brother Mozart and a- boo the one that brought me in that situation Um, we just put, me and Zane put up to the studio before, one time, and, um, boo was like, hey man, don't you write? Because now, at this point, you know, I had been moving around and helping Zane. He was like, don't you write? And I'm like, yeah, he's like, man, you should help this group, this, uh, um, this lady, which I'm saying lady now, because at that time, I didn't know her, um, but her name is Karen King.
1: Okay.
0: And, um, she was, um, putting the group together, which was, uh, Saz and Scraps mom, or whatever the case may be. And, um... I started help, helping with writing for the group. So they ended up getting a deal over at um, DreamWorks. Um, I wasn't involved in any business aspect of it. I was just helping with the writing. Me and Dollar auto- automatically clicked. They were all young. So I used to be, you know, kind of tend to him out of everybody because we had other writers in there too. And then um, whatever happened with that deal didn't work. Then they end up signing to Electra. They end up becoming, like, Sean John models. Puff signed them for, like, Sean John models and stuff like that. Right. And um, they went on tour with B2K, and Sylvia Rome uh, signed them. And I don't know what happened with her situation, whether she left Elektra. um, Whatever she signed kind of got shelved, I believe. Mm. And that was one of the groups, the Rascals crew. So after the second deal, Dollar was like, he wanted to go solo. So, And when I am saying they're brothers, they're brothers because they are, but... They, you know, they're know, really cousins, but they all grew up together, so they said they're brothers. So, but Dollar Mom specifically came to me and was like, yo, he want to do a solo project. Um, can you help him? And that's when I started my company, and I was like, yeah, and I moved him to L.A. So that's how that happened with him.
1: And so when, when you moved into L.A., what was your involvement? Just helping manage his career? No,
0: he ended up signing into my production company. Okay. You know, I started my company based on Dollar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: And you were, you were that accomplished musically at that point that you were kind of handling everything in terms of the music stuff, or?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I had I was learning the business as I was going along, but I had been writing, I had been helping Zayn and stuff like that. I had been around it at that point for um, for a minute. You know what I'm saying? So when she did come to me or whatever the case may be, I was like, yeah, I was like, this is my this that this would change my point of from trying to be an artist the business aspect. So you completely hung
1: aspect. up the making music Man, yourself? And
0: I, I, I completely just like the kid it was fly. He was young. He had it. And it was like, yo.
1: And you're looking at yourself like I'm already grown as fuck. Yeah. Like, I'm just I wasn't not... even that
0: old though. I was in my early 20s.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, oh, okay. I was still in my early 20s. I'm picturing the story with you being like 29 or nah, something. Nah, no, no, I was okay. still in my
0: early 20s. That's what I'm saying. Like, even at that point of me doing that, I was in my early 20s and I started my company. I started reading music books and stuff like that. Um, it was so much time that had passed by, so we we kind of ahead of of that. You know, I found game. Oh, okay. I got game. His situation.
1: This is before you went to Atlanta, or this is this is
0: yeah, this is before I started like really really moving around. Like Cam from Watts introduced me to game. Okay. Game didn't have no tattoos, no nothing. I time he had like one tattoo which said game on his neck. What year you were know, we that? talking? that you met him? This is early two thousands. Okay. Like the early, this is like early two thousands.
1: Because um, he came out in 2004, 2004?
0: Yeah, so this is like, this had to be 2002. Okay. 2000, and that's what I'm saying, the time had passed, so I got out in 2000. So from that, from, from me, me meeting Lil Zane and all of that or whatever, going back and forth, I was already going to Atlanta, but I was going back and forth. Right. So Cam from Watts, you know who Cam is?
1: I'm not on He used that. to
0: be signed to Ice Cube. Oh, okay. Back in the days, him and Gang's brother grew up together. So that's what introduced me to Game. So me and Game was originally going to do a group called uh, the Black Sox, which was me, him, and his best friend One Shot Hop. Okay. And um, I end up taking them to my homeboy, D-Mac, k dog and Dougie, and they end up signing them, right? But during the process, I'm thinking, okay, these are my older homies. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm trusting them to keep me involved in everything. And um, they end up signing them. I got a check out of it. But it wasn't what I thought they were gonna do. And I'm not mad at that. And they like kinda business, went behind your back? No, they didn't go behind my back. I took game to them, but what they didn't do, they just didn't keep me involved in the paperwork. Uh-huh. And me not knowing the business at that time, I got a check out of it, but it wasn't what they were gonna get. It wasn't right. I wasn't involved in the business from that point on as far as like the structure of the deal.
1: Did game strike you as a star when you met him?
0: Yeah, no, he did. I let him the first place he rapped at in front of everybody was at Little Zane's party.
1: Right. And he had already got shot and all this shit at that point?
0: Well, I didn't know him when he got shot. Okay.
1: And, but like, this is, yeah. like, a, a year or two after he got shot, or...?
0: I don't know what year he got shot in.
1: He, that's always, like, part of his whole story, is that he, like, had this moment where he was just laid up, like, and, and just realized yeah, but that's, he had to it's not,
0: That's not true.
1: No <laughs> really? No, nah,
0: he, he probably got shot, but the whole thing after that of how he got signed is not true.
1: Oh, really? It's not. Okay, so how did he get signed?
0: He got signed. Dougie walked him in. Like, he has this whole conglomerate story about... Like, oh, he had this crazy buzz and this and that. Like, that's not true. Like, it, it didn't, didn't happen. He was saying, I was doing this on... I don't know if he ever sold dope or anything, but that was his story. Like, I was selling dope. News. I know as far as the music aspect of it, he was signed to a company called Desperados. We were all staying in Burbank um, in the same spot. Me, my homeboy, Jule from St. Louis, because my homeboy, D-Mac, had another deal at Capitol through Andrew Shaq. Um with Jule. So at that point, when Dougie, before, before that happened, Dougie D is the one that walked him in to Mike Lynn and this guy named Big Chuck. Like, so there was no buzz. My homeboy k Dog is the one who gave him the money to go to the Bay Area to go record up there. So what he did up there, we don't know. If he signed something with JT, the bigger figure, we don't know. But me and him was going to the studio every single day my homeboy K Dog, so he had a studio on Co—I mean, on um, Coenga and Hollywood Boulevard in this big-ass building. We were we were writing together, we were doing the shit together. Then um, Loon, at that time also from Bad Boy, the one right. that just got out of jail, yeah, got signed, and that's my childhood friend. So he when he moved from New York. He was hanging with us in the hood. Like he just did the check in with Big U and he mentioned like the man's face. They mentioned my name and stuff like that. So my homeboy k Dog gave game $700 to go to the Bay Area to record what he was gonna record. Whatever he did up there, we don't know. When he came back down with what he recorded, my homeboy Dougie walked him in to Mike Lynn. He didn't know Mike Lynn. Like the story is saying Mike Lynn um, came and Dre said, I don't care if you come back shot killed the stab that shit none of that shit is fucking true bro none of it is true mm. it's all a fucking lie it's so all made up who's
1: mike lynn exactly he mike lynn
0: him. worked for dre at the time okay he was an a and r for for dre at the time so
1: then how, how he he goes up and records in the bay or whatever mm. and then how does he end up connecting with dre do you know exactly how that connection do, happened do
0: okay dougie walked him into mike lynn and big chuck which was work, who was working with dre okay so if you look it up he was signed to a company called Desperados for six album. I think the year the Wolf got him out of his contract.
1: Really? Yeah. And so, w- do you think Dre just like gave them money to get him out of these deals and stuff, or how? how he was
0: no, he was in the deal the whole time. They ended up doing a joint venture. Uh-huh. The Desperado logo just was never seen. Okay. But he was signed to Desperados for the whole period of that time.
1: So when it, did you guys stop fucking with him before he even was signed to Dre, or did, were you still? fucking
0: No, with him? well, I wasn't fucking with him. He was he was signed to D-Mac and K-Dog at that point in time. And this rumor, I don't know if it's true, but my homeboy Dougie, who walked him in, was supposed to be managing him, right? What happened was, supposedly Mike Lynn told Dre that Dougie was talking about how he fucked Dre's wife. But this was before Dre was married to
1: her. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, mind you, Dougie done fucked all the bitches back in the day, so I don't know.
1: A lot of people fucked a lot of people's wives. It's just you don't really talk about it if you want to work with the person. He
0: was one of those guys that fucked all the bitches. You see what I'm saying? So it's not unbelievable, but this is what the rumor is of why Dougie didn't end up being games manager, but Dougie is the one that walked game in and got him that situation.
1: Wow. Well, now that Dre's divorced, maybe they could all be cool. Wow.
0: Wow. So, yeah, his whole story is just a fucking lie, man.
1: Damn, and so you stopped fucking with him around that time, or I never what? really
0: stopped fucking with him. He just separated himself. You know what I'm saying? He, I guess he had his own agenda. Like he's one of those dudes that, you know, like this this nigga apologize, do this, do that. He has his own agenda, and mm. I don't know what his agenda was. I don't know, you know, like like I said, he never he never mentions the people that were actually involved. Right. He never mentions Mac. He never mentioned. But you can Google that shit.
1: A lot of artists like to simplify their come-up story. Yeah, but it's whack. It's, it's,
0: it's, <laughs> it's whack because it's like, how do you think that a lie sounds better than the truth? Mm. Like, the truth of the truth, like, you're successful, bro. Right? So, that's all that anybody cares about, the end result, you've been successful. So, why not just tell the truth? But
1: the thing is, when I have to give, like, the five-minute version of how I got here today, a lot of people get left out. Because, you know, I'm not talking about who was my cameraman. I'm not talking about who was, you know, help, who, who my first advertiser was. There's so many details I could go into of, like, all the different people but that kind of help. A, he you know? still has
0: a long, drawn-out story though, so I can see you want to tell this five-minute story or this five-minute story. Yeah, because this story is I was selling dope in Brazil, and <laughs> Dr. Dre sent Mike Lynn and told him you better not come back unless, and I don't care if you get shot or stabbed or killed and all of this whole type of shit. Like,
1: were you, um were you annoyed watching him blow up with G Unit?
0: No nah, hell no. Nah. And I've become been, the face like, of LA? No, nah, I was actually happy for him. My 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 thing is just tell the truth. Like I don't. I'm, I'm glad that he's successful. Like I said, the end. The it's, it's like saying like Cardi B, right? Mm. And I'm just using their example because you had a lot of people say a lot of stuff about her. Oh, she was a stripper. She was this. She was this. Nobody gives a fuck. The end result is she's successful. So so what? but I, I i don't think she's lying about her come up and her story you know what i'm saying so i'm just saying like yo i'm not i'm not mad that he's i do good for myself you know what i'm saying i'm not mad that that he uh that he's successful i went and got a fucking label deal over at Jive with Dollar i did, did a joint venture with Akon like Akon's last project concrete jungle i wrote 9 out of 12 songs what the fuck am i mad for mm-hmm. you know i'm not mad at all like i don't give a fuck yeah. and just be honest man like give the people the credit that helped you get to where you are, you know? And it wasn't, they, and, and they're all Crips. Right. All of them, they're all Crips. He was signed to some Crips at the end of the day. Like, I don't know if he's hiding that, like, oh, I'm a blood. So I don't want to tell people I was signed to the Crips, but that's what it was.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Um, but okay, all that was like 2004-ish era. What yeah. year does Dolly get killed in?
0: Dolly got killed in 2009.
1: Okay. So you, how many years were you working with him in total?
0: Um, I was working with Dollar from, like, maybe, like, 2001, 2000, like, yeah. early 2000. Working
1: his career the whole time? Yeah. And was it reaching a high point around the time he got killed?
0: Hell, yeah. We had, we was number 65 on the Billboard chart with, who the fuck is that with T-Pain? We were number two on 106 and Park and probably going to end up beating Bow Wow. Like, you know, that's when Bow Wow was, was Mr. 106 and Park. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So hell yeah, and we had great records. That record right there was a record that we we didn't even really like. It was like we had so much better music that fit that fit him. Right. You know, we felt like this is this record is, but the record took off. Right. You know, and it would be the record. A lot of the times it would be the record that you really don't like that much. Mm-hmm. That just takes off, and that fucking record took off.
1: And so was he a uh, an artist who was really in the streets? Or? Yeah, definitely. Right definitely but from, he's from Atlanta
0: he was born in Chicago but raised in Atlanta but
1: so then he comes out to LA and does mm-hmm. he start to kind of get mixed up in the politics or what like no, he,
0: he was never mixed up in the politics he was he was around us so yeah he claimed Mansfield okay. um, and it was in his heart because the, the only people that he knew was us even in Atlanta like we like I said he was a kid when he when he when he got around me and got around all of my homies and stuff like that. So, you know, he grew into it or whatever the case may be. And he never really had to deal with the politics because I was dealing with the politics. Right. You know what I'm saying? So he used to go to the hood on his own. He, you know, some of my other younger homies or whatever the case may be that were real, like, had them names in the streets. You know, he took a liking to certain people and that was his crew, like, you know what I'm saying? My homeboy, K-Swiss, my homeboy Lil' Swiss, Baby Diamond, Nightmare, um, G-Blue. Like, that was his crew. You know what I'm saying? And they were all his age. I was probably the oldest one. And they looked at me like uncle or big brother or pops. Like, right. even to this day, like, two of them are in jail right now. And when I talk to them, they're like, what's up, pops? You know what I'm saying? Because I was always older than them. I wasn't that much older than them. But, again, I jumped off the porch early. And I've always been involved in older stuff and carried myself older. You know? So I was a few years older than them.
1: For sure. So what happened that day at the Beverly Center? Were you there?
0: No, I wasn't there. Uh, Scrap was there. My homegirl, Sai, his DJ, Shabazz, that was um, from the Bay Area, um, which I pretty much raised all of them, all of them, you know? Um, but it was something that extended from Atlanta. Like, you know, they have this story to where the guy followed him on a plane. That's not true. He actually had a girlfriend, and it was her birthday, and he flew her out here for her birthday because all her family was out here, but she went to school in Atlanta. hmm uh-huh. So she was in college in Atlanta. So he just flew her back to LA for, you know, to throw her party with all of her friends. And then from there, they were gonna leave. I was actually, I was actually building the company. Like I was actually like, okay, his shit is taken off. I'm gonna sign this person, I'm gonna sign this. And I was signing them this girl named Lexi. She was a young white girl that she was a singer. She was dope. She actually had a deal on the table uh, with Interscope with Vincent Herbert. And there was a group called Rock City that used to be signed to um, Akon as two brothers. Right. And um, they do a lot of writing. Like, they do a lot of big writing now. They had wrote the songs for the demo. Because back then, you know, you needed pretty much a demo. And then the relationships, it wasn't about the numbers. And they wanted to sign her. So I was actually in Atlanta with her parents at her parents' house signing her when I got the phone call.
1: Wow. And, but wait, it was related to the fact that he had flown out as his, his no, no, girl. No, w- no,
0: no, no, Well, it wasn't related to that. Oh, okay. I'm saying it That's was just circumstances the circumstances that he was at. Why he was in LA in the first place, and then he had a show before that. So it wasn't like the guy followed him like they said because he didn't come straight to LA. He did a show in Texas first, then came to LA, did her party. They were on a. They were leaving to go take the rental car back, um, get on a plane to come back to Atlanta. And his favorite restaurant at the time was P.F. Chang's. Okay. And they were originally supposed to go to Chipotle, which was across the street from the, uh, the um, Beverly Center and that shopping center. Right. And um, they end up going to P.F. Chang's. He, like, pretty much begged them, like, let's go. And they was like, no, you know, we got business to handle. Let's take the car back, get on the plane, get to Atlanta. And he just like, no, let's go there. So, you know, him being him, they all followed what he wanted to do which was go to P.F. chains. They sit down to eat. The guy that they had an altercation with in Atlanta that was already squashed, cause they, you know, we had mutual friends that knew him. Um, he was in the restaurant already. Wow. And I guess he went to the bathroom, they seen him, and they was like, yo, like, oh, that's the, the guys. So they just kept eating. And they went out, after they got through eating, they went out and he was in the, um, he was in the, uh, in the valet, waiting. And,
1: and I, it went down right there.
0: And it went down right there. Was, I, you know, it was out of fear, you know, thinking that they probably was going to do something to him. And because you got to think, I'm from L.A. But if he
1: left first, yeah, then, I mean, he could have just left, right?
0: Yeah, but um, I think, and I, and, I, and I don't know, but, you know, you hear stories or whatever the case may be, I guess, whoever he was with was saying, oh, like, they got a lot of power out here. You better get them first before they get you. And But I don't know how true that is. So, mm. you know what I'm saying? I'm just telling you what I heard. As far as the aftermath, right. But I mean, again, like I'm from LA, and I don't care if I see my worst enemy. I'm not shooting him in the valet of the Beverly Center yeah. unless my life is threatened. And I have a gun, and Dollar didn't have a gun. Nobody would have had a gun, so I don't know how he can feel threatened. Yeah. So I feel like it was out of fear. Like anybody that does that right there at the Beverly Center in Beverly Hills, I'm from LA. I'm not doing that.
1: Yeah, because you're saying like, oh, it goes down in Hollywood, which is true, but. When you think about, like, the fucking Beverly Center, Center it's a yeah. nice-ass mall in a nice-ass area. It's, like, probably the least dangerous part of Hollywood or yeah. at least one of, and that's, like, the last place that you would picture that going down at. Yeah. yeah,
0: he did it in the valet. Like, I could see if it was in Hollywood leaving outside of a club, what? this was in the valet.
1: Wow. So how do you even attempt to manage this? Like, what what, what becomes of your life at that point? Um, you
0: know, shit. Like, a regular human being, you know, you have to handle things mentally you know there's nothing physical about this world it's like no matter what happens if you know you break down mentally it's all over with and you know I, I went through my uh, de- depression stage and
1: right because th- you built your whole life, life around this around guy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: and feeling like um, and not even really just building my whole life is like when you come from where I come from the business and you know, part the business it, yeah. part and you have you cease the opportunity you know I lost my pretty much my brother my little brother my right. son like somebody that I pretty much had something to do with his life for a long, you know, for a period of time of of Grooming him or whatever the case may be so and him being with me moving to LA with me, his mom allowing him and trusting Him to move to LA with me, you know, what I'm saying mm. then it's kind of like it fucked me up mentally It's like damn like and I've always tried to protect them and make sure nothing happened to him and you know, she's not mad or anything because it didn't have anything to do with any gang shit. I wasn't there for the first altercation, and I wasn't there for the second altercation. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like she's the, you know she's mad at me or whatever the case may be of that happening to him. Um, but it fucked me up. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like you can always get money, but I can't get him back. Right. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, like I said, I feel like I lost my son. And it's like, damn, like, and it's, and it was something. that's like me coming home and accomplishing the shit. When people counted me out, yeah, you know I was counted out a long time ago. You know what I'm saying? Growing up, it's like this nigga ain't gonna make it to 18. That's why I said I feel like jail saved my life. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because the nigga was going hard.
1: Did you start to get <clears throat> doubt if you even wanted to do this music shit? I stopped happened? doing
0: music for a long time. I started like focusing on TV stuff, and um, I lost the passion for music. And um, Akon called me. He was working on his project, and he pretty much kind of got me out that slump. Like, yo, come to Atlanta. Um, I need help with this project. It was a street project he was doing, so, you know, with him traveling to Africa and being kind of out of tune, he was like, yeah, I know you in tune with all this shit. Come help me, so um, I went to Atlanta. He'd be in Africa, and I'd be in the studio just writing. He'd be like, yo, uh, I got the beats there for you, the beats that I picked, and this and that, and I would just write for him. Really? Yeah, and I ended up getting two singles off of um, The Concrete Jungle, which was a song called We you On with Yo Gotti, and then... Uh, A song called Throw That D that DJ Felly Fell produced, but his politics was kinda fucked up, so
1: Right. That's crazy to think that Akon is so famous and busy that he could have an album being worked on and he's just off doing other shit and then it's he's just got his team working on the project and he's not even around for it.
0: Yeah, I mean well he but don't get me wrong, like right. That dude writes and he does beats. It was just like sh- a lot of the street shit and you know certain things. So when he did come in, he would write his own. It's not like he don't write his own shit, and he wrote for other people too. But this particular project, I had a lot to do with it. Actually, me and um, uh, his name is Money Man now, but he used to be called um, uh, 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 J Money. Money. Money was it Money J? No, it was J Money.
1: But I know Money Man. He's big now.
0: Yeah, Money Man. Me and him worked on that project. Oh wow. He was signed to Akon.
1: That's crazy, I didn't know. That. Him
0: and French was up. Uh, that's how I know French Montana too. They were all signed to Akon uh, yeah. Red Cafe, Kobe Adonis, um, Cartier Official, um, YB, your boy from the Bay Area. Right. They were all signed to him. But at that time, um, me and Money Man pretty much did that whole project.
1: I don't know what your financial situation was like before this, but I would assume that getting writing credits on a bunch of huge Akon records probably changed your life a little bit.
0: No, I didn't change my life. It, um, you were already
1: doing good before that? Yeah, pretty much. But that must have been a, a nice nice check. It's probably still a nice check.
0: No, because I did get paid for it, right? And I did get a uh, percentage of every song that I wrote. Uh, but it, have you seen a with an album out?
1: A lot a of point, it was yeah. fucked up.
0: Like oh, you know A lot what of saying? it didn't even come a out? A lot of it didn't come The two songs came out. They ended up putting the cease and desist on it.
1: Really? Yeah. Wow. So what, his label shit was fucked up? Yeah. You see, hmm. he's getting sued
0: now by the person he was signed to. Oh. Goddamn. So it will be a lot into that, you know what I'm saying?
1: Right. So uh, how long after all that was the situation with Suge?
0: The situation with Suge was in 2014.
1: Okay. So that's one of the most recent things on our list of things to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) You go with the bullshit. Well, well, you know, I got a a nice little list here, you know. But okay, so you go to a party. Mm Mm-hmm. Under what conditions did you go to the party it was just you were just going to have a good time or um, and yeah, what kind I, of party was it?
0: It was the uh, VMAs the VMAs the VMAs it was Chris Brown's party okay and I know all of them right you know what I'm saying like I have a cool relationship with you know a lot of the artists you know like I said French I know from before he was signed right you know what I'm saying when they were doing the DVDs and shit or whatever the case may be out there I met him. Uh, through Ja, which was one of Akon's managers at the time. He's from Brooklyn. So, like, I had a lot, a lot of the relationship that I have with these artists is before these niggas was signed. Mm. You know what I'm mean? saying? And so I had this relationship with just from moving around, doing my own shit, whatever I was doing. You know? Right. And so, yeah, I end up going to the party and, um... It was, hey.
1: Somebody shot Shug.
0: Yeah, I guess he made somebody mad.
1: Right. And you had nothing to do with this? Nope. You weren't around it?
0: I was there. I was at the party.
1: But did you, did you see it or were you like close to it or were you completely uninvolved? I don't know
0: where it happened at in the club. All I know is I got accused of it.
1: Right. You know? I don't know. How, so did you get accused of it immediately or did you get accused like later on?
0: No, nah, they came like maybe like 3 months later. Really? Yeah. Right at the spot.
1: Took that, me to jail. What kind of evidence do they have?
0: They had no evidence. They had hearsay. They, said they had he say, she say.
1: If it was at a crowded party, wouldn't there be a bunch of witnesses to say that you were doing something else? Or they, like, they would have to have a bunch of eyewitnesses, I, right? I, mean, I don't know. Shit,
0: I, I, I don't know. Shit, they didn't, I guess whoever shot him, they don't have him either. So I guess then nobody said.
1: So what happened to those charges?
0: Um, they end up dismissing that and charging me with uh, um felon with a firearm because when they raided the spot, they found a gun that had nothing to do with nothing. Uh-huh. No nothing on it. And um because I was a convicted felon from when I was sixteen, I had to go do time for that firearm. And
1: so you knew that you weren't supposed to have that gun, but it was just basic self defense shit. It was
0: basic, just having a gun. We in LA. Right. I'll never carry a gun to use it. But you got motherfuckers out here robbing people, doing shit, you know what I'm saying?
1: Did you know Suge before that night? Uh yeah, I know. Did you get along?
0: Yeah, cool. I mean, we didn't have a relationship, but we were cool. Mm. And, you know, see each other, basically, what's up, what are you doing, what's in the
1: Interesting. Crazy. Um, okay, but then you, you ended up having to do that that little time or whatever. Yeah. And that, was that like, did that feel like just a huge step backwards in your life? It or? definitely
0: was a huge step back because I hadn't been in trouble in so long. What was
1: it, like two years, you said? That I had to do? Yeah.
0: No, I only had to do a year. Oh, okay. But I hadn't been in trouble in
1: 15, 16 years. And you're getting you at this... Because when you went to prison the first time, you weren't used to shit. Now you're used to, like, oh, yeah. living a good life yeah. and being around nice shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it was a... And 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 I didn't... The, the, the having shit wasn't really the main thing.
1: Right. But just it even being comfortable.
0: The politics of having to go back in there and turn into somebody that I wasn't mm. anymore. Really? Yeah. Now I got to go deal with politics. Because I can't go and say... I'm not from anywhere. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't go in jail and say, that somebody say, hey, where you from? I can't be like, well, I'm in gangbang. Right. Now I'm back in gangbang mode.
1: And you hadn't been there necessarily for been a while? In, I
0: hadn't been there in a while. Mm. I hadn't been there in a while.
1: Is there any degree of seniority in that environment? Or do you, do you get respect because people know that you've been around for a long time? Or are you able to get into that sort of like OG mentor role? So I don't grow none
0: of this. Right? <laughs> Ever ever so when I was there it was growing but this don't grow right so now I look like OG so I was OG I was like what's up OG <laughs> all this shit gone I got this so I'm looking hella old so I was like yeah I'm OG
1: was that fucking with your self image hell you?
0: no I'm glad because the youngsters in there is like where you from you from? oh yeah I need that run that real really? quick yeah even do so. you no I'm just saying like right you know what I mean like in general like, another young nigga, they pressing. Yeah. Older niggas, they don't really press like that. You know what I'm saying? It'd be the older niggas talking if, you, you know, you need that, I'll get that to you. But, you know what I'm saying? It'd be like the younger niggas. So, no matter where you know, the young niggas is like, oh, what's up, OG? Where you from? It wasn't really the aggressive, like, right. like, like cuz, where you from? You know what I'm saying? To another young nigga. So, because this didn't grow and this did, I was OG.
1: But it makes yeah, it's like a disguise. (laughs) Your hair look being fucked up just make you look like way older. I'm glad. Fuck, that's crazy. I'm glad. No, I've I've been there too because like I used to shave my head, I would start shaving the front, and then you just look in the mirror and you're like, Oh fuck. Like it's like a a screenshot of what like ten years of hairline (laughs) withdrawal is gonna look like. Hell yeah. Fuck. Um, how good you feel when you got out from doing that little bid?
0: I mean shit, it would feel good to get out of jail, period. touch the grass again. You
1: touch the you know. It
0: was a setback, but you know, I am who I am, so it's like I'm always gonna push forward, you know. Mm. I think about it sometimes and it'll be like, damn, I I feel like, you know, I got held back and it was like it seemed like every time, it's just like even with the dollar thing, it's like mm-hmm. I'm there, I'm like, I'm right here. We about to, we about to go, you know what I'm saying? And then he get killed. Then I'm doing other stuff, like and it's like, okay, I'm on my way. I'm about to. This is about to happen. All right. Boom. Then this shit happens. You know what I'm saying? And it just seemed like every time I get to that point, it's like a roadblock. But then I just, I just get up. I'm like fuck, it. like I just got to keep going.
1: Yeah. Hundred percent. What's your uh, relationship with Big U?
0: Um, we just when we met, we just was, you know, I guess just like click. It was cool, even though we from two different hoods and our mm-hmm. hoods really as a whole don't get along. Cause I'm a gangster, crip. We trays from sixties, neighborhood. Right. You know? But um again, like I said, he been to he been to jail, I've been to jail, and a lot of the times when you in there, like I said, you have your individual with, you know, your race you handle your own business between the race. So yeah, you might have, you know, altercation with but it's it's, you know, it's contained. You know what I'm saying? So I think he feel like I feel is like, you know, you come home and like the person that you feel like you would never get along with is helping you fight SA, helping you fight a white boy, or helping you fight all of them. Because a lot of the times when shit like that happens, trust me, we're outnumbered by a lot. There might be 20 blacks and 100 Mexicans. There might be 50 Mexicans and 30 white boys. And The whites are going to help the Mexicans. or they going to make the white boys help? Well, they're clicked you know? up. I mean they not click, but they'll make in the county, they'll make it be like, hey, we finna get off on the blacks. Y'all need to help. Wow. The Pisces and everything. So it'll be 20 of us.
1: Keep me out of (laughs) that. I am not kicking it with no Nazis. I'm not smoking spice with a bunch of fucking white power dudes, dude. That's the biggest thing I'm scared of. (laughs) Don't go to jail. Yeah.
0: Cause you're gonna choose, you gon you gonna choose something. Nah. You know what I'm saying? Either you're gonna be with the blacks. And you gonna have to even go harder, right? And they will help you if you go hard, or uh, because they ain't
1: gonna have me the whole way, bro. No, no,
0: they have, listen, <laughs> listen. My little homeboy, he Mexican. He
1: you better get locked up too, so we can <laughs> be like I've security behind bars. <laughs> like, Kiki, I'm gonna need you to catch this charge, so I have somebody to go with me. <laughs> oh, that's fucked up. What uh, what are you working on now? What's what's uh, your creative energy going into and in business energy? Um,
0: and what's so fucked up is I had these shirts that I was going to bring you and I fucking forgot them. Oh, shit. Um, I have a company called Politics mm-hmm. and because it's politics from the smaller street corner to the White House but I took the shirts and I took every ga- gang sign and made positive acronyms. So, like, the blood might say brave or beautiful. The Piru sign might say peaceful, powerful, pleasant. The um, Crip sign might say creative, creativity, confident and then on the back it tells what um, what gangs were originally for, you mm. know, so why it was really started. And then I did some for the uh, Mexican gangs, too, where, you know, it has the South Sider sign, and it says like, Strong Survival and stuff like that. So That's dope. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, actually working with her on some TV stuff.
1: Oh, okay. She does
0: a lot of TV stuff. I can't really explain it. Really?
1: But she's the TV lady. What kind of stuff are you doing with them? Yeah. You're gonna be like, uh, like, like Big U. He's like, Doing documentaries, he's kinda of taking his she story. Did, she and did that. Oh really? She did the oh, that's of awesome.
0: thing. And um I'm working on a TV show called Politics also. I just signed a girl named Ali Cocaine from Oakland. Oh yeah. Um she's a rapper. She just opened up a cash doll last well, this past week. Too short just brought her out like two weeks ago. So she got a cool buzz a crazy She does buzzing. cocaine? No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I hope not. I don't I don't need to have it. Yeah, her name is Ali Cocaine. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah, man, you live through it. You've seen all the craziness that that can lead to. You better warn her. <laughs> yeah. Stay off that white girl.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think she's on it.
1: All right, good. Um, Anything else you want to let the people out there know about that you got coming? It's been a great conversation. I feel like I learned a lot. Yeah, I mean. Big you never let me down.
0: <laughs> nah, you know, just like I said, the alley cocaine thing. Um, we're developing a TV show called Politics. I actually have a um, – um documentary that i'm working on about my life we just got a call from showtime about it you you know, of course nothing's ever for sure or until the paperwork is signed until it's in writing but they are interested in it and uh, that's pretty much it and you know the t-shirt line which i'm doing for to try to bring the community together
1: let's get it that's what's up um yeah i appreciate your time man so it's an incredible story
0: yeah and um A.D. That's my boy, man.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to ask you how you met him. Oh,
0: no. Yeah. Um, We were at a hookah place.
1: He always getting in a fight at a hookah spot. We
0: was at a hookah place. (laughs) We were at a hookah place, and he was with about, like, four or five people. Mm -hmm. And I think I was either by myself I was by myself or with one other person. And um, I don't know how we got into it, but I think I got into it with one of his people. And we had some words. And I was like, like, like where, y'all, where y'all from, matter of fact? Like, you know, I usually you don't, know, but it's just like, I was like, where y'all from? And he was like, we am from Compton. And I just was like, I mean, you a long way from home, Want me to be. And then he was like, huh? And I was like, where you from? I'm from Mansfield. And I just was like, yo, get out or whatever. The other niggas wasn't saying nothing, but AD was like, well, this whatever. And then somebody walked out that I knew, or that we both knew was like, nah, nah, man, we all good. You know, we all family or whatever the case may be. So that's the little story or whatever it was. A, wow. We ended up being cool, though. It came close there? Nah, no, I came close. Yeah. It came close.
1: I've seen it before. Yeah, we pulled up close. outside a rapper's house one time, and his, his homie didn't recognize AD or realize it was me at first. And it definitely almost went down. It, almost it was almost a little down. boxing match <laughs> in front of the house. And I was like, oh, shit, these guys are serious. <laughs> but then when that happens... There's one thing about gang dudes is when that does happen, they love to tell that story about how they didn't fight, but they almost fought. <laughs> just, you know, it's yeah. like, man, we, we came that close, we came bro. that close. <laughs> For sure. Shout out, AD. Um, okay, any more thanks? Anybody you want to show love to? Uh, AD. <laughs> Shout out, AD. <laughs> I'm going to just leave it at that. For sure. Paper films. Let's go. He
0: do not want to show my sister, real
1: mom. Oh, okay. Nice.
0: For the documentary, Shalon. That person over there, that, who doesn't want to be identified. Anonymous.
1: Yeah. Okay, I fuck with it. Appreciate your time. I want to do a
0: shout out to my mama.
1: Oh yeah. My yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotta show your mom. My shout your Shout out my mom saying, over here. Yeah. All the
0: homies in the hood, you know what I'm saying? We made it. I don't you know shout my mom out enough.
1: Good point. For sure. Uh, appreciate third you, Third base. Third base. Yeah. The rap group from back nah, in the you day. Never heard
0: of third base? You should go there. So a, uh, it's a sports bar.
1: Oh really? Yeah. You about to give me that watch? Oh, I saw you taking it off. I'm like, oh, shit. Am I getting a gift? I'm like, this is the best interview ever. <laughs> oh, fuck. All right, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, you too, bro. Much love. Yep. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, TikTok, Patreon, all that shit. Like, comment, and subscribe. NoJumper.com. If you want to support, tap in with my man as well. Instagram in the description. Appreciate you.